Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening where we have once again the privilege to be able to talk about Pope Francis and where he is at in the news. And certainly, if you are a faithful listener, you know that uh, we have been taking up his exhortation on the new evangelization titled The Joy of the Gospel. And as I do each and every Wednesday, I have Bob Cross with me. So, uh, Bob, it is great to have you with me this evening. Always great to be here, Joe. Thank you. So, uh, last week, Bob, we discussed a great deal, the uh, Synod on the Family. And uh, let me rephrase, the Synod on the Family within the context of evangelization, because as we noted last week, if we see this as a Synod just on the family, then we fail to appreciate the dynamic of what the Synod is about. It's the Synod on the family within the context of evangelization. And, you know, last week we really broke it all down so as to better understand uh, maybe why there has been some confusion, especially as that lead preparatory document, that working document came out. And as it turns out, here we are a week later and a second working document came out. And as we had kind of predicted here, Bob, we said, that some of this language is going to change because it's a working document, and lo and behold, the wording has changed, and it remains a working document. And that's what's so important. I, I have received about four or five calls in the last couple of days um, asking me about, okay, now is Pope Francis going to pen uh, another exhortation? No, no. Again, this is only the first synod. It is the extraordinary synod. Next year, at this time in Vatican, Okay, there's going to be an ordinary General Assembly. This was an extraordinary General Assembly. Uh, one is to be seen in light of the other, and I know for our listening audience out there, there's a lot of confusion about that. That is why we spent the time we did last week talking about these two synods and what they're all about. So what we have then is a new worky document that the cardinals, the bishops, and those who have been involved in the process of this synod on the family, uh, they will look at this document closely. And they have a year, and in the uh, time of the church, that's speedy, right? <laughs> that's speedy. They'll have a year to look at that closely, and then they will meet, not for two weeks, but three weeks next year in October. And out from that synod, they are going to hand initiatives for our Holy Father to reflect upon. And then he will pen a post-synod exhortation. And that's kind of the standard way of doing things at this point, especially as it comes out from uh, Vatican II. So. And I think it's, it's worth repeating again, and, and you, you alluded to it there, Joe, that, um, and we talked about it at great length last week, that um, the Church works at its own pace, and that it's, uh, it, this is fairly quickly in the grand scheme of things, in the way that the Church goes about reviewing, you know, different Things like the family and new evangelization and the relationship between them, and um, you know it's it's great. Just take a deep breath and tell everybody, just whoa, slow down a little mm -hmm. bit. You know mm -hmm. this is a work in progress and the Holy Spirit working 
through the synods allows for the church to preserve its its rich history of objective truth. Yeah. As we're talking about this, Bob, I'm just struck by this. We ought to appreciate the kind of turbulence that must have been going on during Vatican II. I mean, here, it's just been a couple of weeks, Bob, a couple of weeks. For all intents and purposes, uh, the blink of an eye as it relates to what was going on during Second Vatican Council. I mean, wow. Yes, again, we talked about this last week. They didn't have that outlet of social media to put it all out there. I mean, they didn't have the kind of news resources that we have today. But that being said, I mean, it has only been a couple of weeks, and we do need to take a deep breath and be mindful that uh, there's still a lot before us that uh, the Church is going to be talking about. And I think we should be confident in this truth, Bob, that the prevailing question is, how do we get those people in the pews to better understand the faith, to better understand all of these difficult issues? And moreover, how do we as shepherds guide them in that understanding? Okay, that's what lies at the heart of this uh, synod. And, And that's why I talk about the importance of the synod on the family for the new evangelization, because it is about evangelizing hearts, shepherding hearts. And if we can begin to appreciate that, then yeah, there's going to have to be some hard questions put out there. And as we talked about two weeks ago, the importance of freedom of expression, so as to be able to put everything out there and, and have a very real, vibrant, and as it has been talked about, intense dialogues as it relates to the faith. So very important I tell you, I did want to comment, Bob, on our Holy Father's closing homily to the Synod, uh, because he challenged those who would suggest that this is an opportunity for their liberal ideology uh, to run over the Church. And, and he challenged those who, in their ultra-conservatism, and I'm using these words for the sake of advancing our dialogue here, I know I don't usually use these words, but you know, that ultra-conservatism that closes itself in, that doesn't learn the language of pastoring people. And he made it clear, we're not negotiating truth here. He made it clear, this is not a synod where we're going to redefine doctrine. No, this is the synod about shepherding. This is a synod about pastoring. So if we are closed, if all we do is coerce and browbeat and say, you have to do this and you have to do that, where's the invitation then? Conversely, if you think for a second, this is a synod, where you're going to change doctrine to your liberal ways? No, no, that's not what this is about. And it's interesting because you're not going to see that on the news, are we, Bob? (laughs) Oh, no, Uh, no. And again, to be clear here, Bob, the greater percentage of cardinals are of the same ilk as Pope Francis. It's not both sides competing with Pope Francis, no. He's just saying... If there's a little imbalance here, let me make myself clear. So important. Sure, and I'd, and as we've noted before, you know, it's it's too easy to kind of draw. I mean, to to pick sides and to show, you know, hey, there's you know, there's more conservative, you know, thinkers, and then there's more liberal thinkers, and any more we as a society, um, and and it's worth mentioning again, we want to just kind of pigeonhole everyone and try to label everyone in one respect or another. And, you know, as far as, you know, what the, these issues that affect the family that are being discussed is important, I think, for all of us to understand that, 
you know, the cardinals and the bishops and the church itself is not oblivious to what's going on in the world and what affects, you know, all of us as it relates to our family and our family issues in our society. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a good, lively discussion so that they and we can all understand that the church cares and understands, mm-hmm. that it recognizes, you know, um, what's going on in families with divorce, with, with uh, you know, issues that relates to the family and, and some of its deterioration over the last, you know, couple of generations. So it's... <clears throat> I think it's, it's, it's really, really good and healthy, and it needs to be looked at it in that respect rather than, oh, gosh, is my side going to win? You know? Yeah. And I would also say this, that uh, if, if there has been some complaints, from, I think justified complaints or uh, justified points being made there at the end of the Synod, it was we are not talking enough about what the gospel narrative has to say about you know, the, the universal call to holiness as it relates to the family and how that impacts evangelization. And I couldn't agree more. Um, certainly, I understand the importance of addressing all of these most difficult issues, you know, divorce and remarriage, the reception of communion, uh, same-sex unions, all these things. But <laughs> if we don't take up the universal call to holiness within the family, then we miss it. We miss it totally and entirely, Bob. And what you'll see over the course of the next year, and the Cardinals have already talked about it, a, a lot of discussion behind closed doors on the need to reintegrate that uh, universal call to holiness within the tenor and rhythm of everyday family life. And so don't be surprised if a year from now, in that three-week session, we hear a lot more about what the gospel narrative has to say about the universal call to holiness and ultimately how that impacts evangelization, because it is there where we need to go. Yes, are they going to continue to talk about these difficult truths? Are they going to continue to talk about these challenges and how to pastor with its doctrine? Yes, of course. Uh, But there has to be a balance there as well. Sure, and as you said a few minutes ago, those those aren't attention-grabbing headlines. They're not. (laughs) Senator, the bishops, cardinals, pope, are calling people to live a a more holy, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. a prayerful life. That's not something that CNN necessarily wants to lead into mm-hmm. in the nightly news. Yeah. Yeah, and I think today what's happened when it comes to this universal call to holiness, oh, we've heard that phrase too many times and we just tune it out, right? Yet, yet, <laughs> it remains that overarching truth that needs to encircle all that we do. So while we tune it out, are we contemplating what is being said and what we need to embrace as it relates to that truth. I don't think so. I don't think so because we are too uh, pre-concerned with, you know, how to get rankings or ratings as it relates to our headlines. And uh, there's not a lot of bells and whistles when it's, when it comes to holiness. So uh, we're not going to talk about that. That being said, Bob, I did want to get back into the joy of the gospel and uh, wrap up this subsection on this yeah, stop warring among yourselves. Now, over the last couple of weeks, as we've talked about this, we've taken up within the context of close relationships, friendships, that things like gossip can really uh, destroy and poison healthy life-giving <clears throat> relationships. But certainly, Pope Francis moves out from um, those relationships in our local communities to bigger picture. Huh? I mean, uh, paragraph 99 he establishes it quite clearly that when he says, stop warring among yourselves, what he means to say is 
that word within warring war, we need to look at this for what it is. Sure. And he's, you know, going to the grassroots in terms of our communities in, in chapter 98 and how envy and jealousy in particular, you know, causes us. And we talked about, um, to some extent, of gossip and, and how within our own little little uh, lives, we have the ability to war with one another by virtue of our gossip and our slander and our talking, the way that we let jealousy and envy affect us. Mm-hmm. Then it, he moves right into you know, a much bigger picture and what's going on in our world today mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of the way that that spreads throughout a culture, throughout a people, and throughout the, throughout the world in terms of how we war with one another. Yeah, so let's go ahead and take up, I'll read, I'll go ahead and read paragraph 99, and I might ask you to take up paragraph 100, Bob. So uh, this is what he has to say in paragraph 99. Our world is being torn apart by wars and violence and wounded by a widespread individualism which divides human beings, setting them against one another as they pursue their own well-being. In various countries, conflicts and old divisions from the past are re-emerging, I especially ask Christians in communities throughout the world to offer a radiant and attractive witness of fraternal communion. Let everyone admire how you care for one another and how you encourage and accompany one another. Then he quotes here, John 13, 35, Bob, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This was our Lord's heartfelt prayer to the Father that all may be one in us so that the world may believe. Beware, he goes on to say, beware of the temptation of jealousy. We are all in the same boat and headed to the same port. I love that phrase. We are all in the same boat and headed to the same port. Let us ask for the grace to rejoice in the gifts of each, which belongs to all. There he is, you know, going right back to the gospel Mm -hmm. and going to the words of Jesus himself. And using that opportunity to, you know, create this sense of the title of this document, the joy of the gospel, and, and putting it right to the heart of the matter in terms of part of what's going on within, you know, again, not only our lives and communities, but within our countries and the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I had gotten the mail today, you know, Jackie and I, we, we sponsor some kids in Africa, and I was reading one of her letters, one of these she, when we started sponsoring her, she was seven, and now she's 16, this you know, beautiful young lady. And I was reading her letter, and I started, Bob, to think about you know, her world a little more, the world from which she comes from, a, a world that I simply do not know. As much as I'd like to say I do, I don't. You know, I, I don't live in uh, Africa, right? I don't know what that life looks like for her. Uh, we write letters and we interact, but in thinking about that, I was really praying for the, the, the grace of kinship, the grace of a bond that might emerge from just having those letters being written to one another over the course of seven, eight, now I think nine years. And as I read paragraph 99, imagine, and I thought about this today, imagine uh, in 1959 sponsoring someone from the Viet Cong. How would we think about war? What if we were to go to war with Kenya on a matter? Not that we would, right? Not, not with Kenya. But what if we were to? Huh? How would that change the way we think about war? If we know our opposition by name, how does that change? It's a fascinating truth. There's, there's a, a line from the movie Pompeii. Of course, that movie takes up 
you know, the, the, the volcano and, and wiping out the city of Pompeii in 79 AD. The movie takes up this, this event within the context of gladiators and all the rest. And one gladiator says to the other, you know, what is your name? And he, said, he looks over at him, he says, I, I can't know your name because tomorrow I'm going to have to kill you. And what's going on there, right? To call someone by name is to establish an identity. We've talked about this a great deal in the past, Bob, where your names have purpose. They have foreordained vocation. To say Bob, to say Joe, it's to say something. And moreover, it's to encourage the encounter. Huh? This is a document on the new evangelization. What have we said, Bob? What has Pope Francis said? The new evangelization is about creating a culture of encounter. And that encounter is made all the more real when we call one another by our names. To say Bob, to say Joe, is to encourage the culture of encounter. Huh? So, of course, this young gladiator says to the other, I can't give you my name if I have to kill you tomorrow, right? And so as I was reading this letter and getting to know this young lady and, and her name is Josephine, <laughs> I mean, imagine having to go to war with this country. I couldn't, you know, and what Pope Francis wants us to see is that how can we talk about war when these people are supposed to be your brothers and sisters in Christ? I mean, he says at the end of paragraph 100, <laughs> If we embrace this, whom are we going to evangelize if this is the way we act? And I love that question. For whom are we going to evangelize if we see the person across the room, not as our brother in Christ, but as our enemy, as our enemy, right? Again, joy of the gospel is an exhortation on the new evangelization. What is the first principle that we've talked about as it relates to evangelization, Bob? But trust. Trust builds that bridge that the weight of truth can hold. If we don't have a friendship, we don't have trust. If we don't have trust, we don't have a friendship. If we don't have friendship, we don't have evangelization. And if we don't have that mindset, then that person across the room, they're just another person. And then we could become so easily desensitized to why war is so wrong. He talks about this fraternal love. And, you know, what is evangelization if it isn't rooted in love? You have to love someone to want to reach out to them, to embrace them, to be a part of, you know, that spiritual life that we're called to share. And back in that, the way that Pope Francis put it, put it, we're all in the same boat heading to the same port. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's striking when you stop and think about a simple catchy phrase like that, but it's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, what? there isn't much difference between some of the issues that Josephine, you, whom you, you're sponsoring in Africa, mm. has between, there's not much difference between some of the concerns and some of the issues that she's facing with than teenagers in this country. Yeah. But we don't take the time to really think about, oh gosh, they're way over there. <clears throat> they have nothing to do with us. They don't have anything to do with me. Mm-hmm. They do. Yeah. They really do. Yeah, and that's why we talk about that bond that takes place uh, in the grace of God when we see that person just not across the room, but across the Atlantic Ocean as someone who's invaluable to the larger body of Christ. We need to start thinking this way. Now, I know when you start talking about bigger picture stuff and the wars that we are facing today, certainly with ISIS 
and others, what's happening in, in Syria, in Iran, and, and Iraq, all of these wars that we've had to engage, I know it's more than just, you know, loving your neighbor on one hand. You have to be able to take the necessary steps. But it's interesting, Bob, as we were talking about this, it was just a few days ago <laughs> that the Vatican summit released uh, some interesting information. The first of which was Pope Francis clarifying any confusion out there that he would suggest a war on ISIS, a strike on ISIS was okay. He condemned it. And at the same time, he condemned what ISIS is doing. But he also, as well as the Vatican summit itself, called out to the United Nations uh, and the Muslim leaders to do what is necessary to begin a conversation at the very least, at the very least, Bob, would bring about more clarity to the confusion that undergirds this Islamic State. Now, and by Islamic State, ISIS, I mean to speak of. Um, so the Vatican is saying, you know, yes, we are called to love one another, but there is a process. There are steps to be had. The United Nations is in place for a reason. I mean, if you were to go online, and if you were to pull up the purpose of the, the United Nations, listen to this. This is what you'd read. To maintain international peace and security. And to that end, to take effective collective measures for the prevention and removal of threats to the peace and for the suppression of acts of aggression or other breaches of the peace. And to bring about by peaceful means and in conformity with the principles of justice and international law adjustment or settlement of international disputes or situations which might lead to a breach of the peace. And it goes on to speak to the importance of, the importance of developing friendly, friendly relations among nations. In essence, the United Nations is in place to establish peace and within the context of law, create this dialogue about the steps that need to take place. And the Vatican is saying, start doing this. Start doing this. And they're really uh, calling out to the Muslim leaders, denounce these actions, these barbaric and horrific actions that some of these ISIS members are taking to make their point of supremacy and power and all the rest. Sure. And, you know, you would think that, um, you know, I recall old images, you know, of the U.N., you know, with everybody wearing their little headsets, yeah, yeah. you know, because even all these different languages and all these different people representing countries all around the world, it would be great if they read that definition, you know, um, <laughs> you know, through those little headsets so that everyone could understand that they do have a responsibility if there is to be an effective United Nations to do exactly that. Because mm -hmm. the focus of the world is, is what's going on right now, uh, is, is what's taking place in Iraq and Syria and what's going on with these bullies. And that's what they are. Yeah. Call them yeah. for what they are. Yep. And, you know, if they're, they're using the Islamic, you know, religion as something that they feel that they're, they're called to, to do, I mean, well, then it's important for the people that, and this is what the Vatican sounds like what they're talking about, they're asking for, you know, the leaders of, um, of Islam to, to take some action themselves mm -hmm. and, and, you know, do something about, you know, what's going on with these people who are using and they're defaming, you know, the, uh, you know, their, their, their organization. And, you know, Bob, in calling it what it is, it's good and evil. I mean, and I love here in these paragraphs what Pope Francis says. He goes to Paul. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I love him quoting Galatians 6, 9 here. 
let us not grow weary in doing what is right. Do not grow weary in what is right. Do not live in fear because of what you think this organization or that organization might have. Only grow weary in doing what is right. And of course, this is what Paul embodies. And this is not a faith as we talk about it within the context of faith and reason. Because ultimately, (laughs) if it was a faith with reason, then it wouldn't fly planes into buildings. It's a faith without reason. I mean, again, what is faith and reason? I love St. Augustine's definition. We were talking about this actually just the other night. Uh, What does he say? That Faith and reason are two forces that lead us to knowledge. Knowledge of something? No, someone. And that someone is the incarnation of truth. So faith and reason are the two forces that lead us to a knowledge of truth, who is a living person. St. Augustine says, I believe to better understand, and I understand to better believe. Mm. And when we can begin to understand that, then we are well on our way to better understanding what's going on in the world today. And so, yeah, Pope Francis, and more collectively, the Vatican and its summit that it just met in, they're saying, hey, enough is enough. Let us deal with this and start advancing the dialogue. And is the dialogue going to solve all the problems? No. But at the very least, what they're saying here is there needs to be a starting point. And it's not missiles flying into buildings. It's one man speaking to another and in so doing, encouraging that aforementioned encounter. And we talk about the United Nations, Bob. We, we talk about these groups that are put together to encourage peace. It is out from that encounter that we can only attain peace. There has to be a starting point. I mean, it, it makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> war is, is not the answer mm-hmm. because war just grows and it, and it feeds on itself. Well, that's a wrap, Bob. Uh, thanks again uh, for the gift of your time. Let us close with the word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.